Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. read our text tonight and then you may be seated it's in Matthew 24 Matthew 24 we're going to read verses 4 through 8 of this familiar chapter Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name, saying, I am, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. God, we're so grateful to be in church. We're so grateful to be in the church and to be a part of your wonderful family. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the hope that you have given to us in your word that we can look beyond this, this veil of tears and time of corruption and chaos in our country and in the world. We pray for your help tonight, your anointing tonight, your blessings tonight to be with us. Help us to convey your word tonight clearly and with your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My text tonight is MPC. My text tonight is ready or not. Ready or not. Ready or not. Are y'all ready or not? <laughs> The only reason I'm looking for is the way, if they put it up there the way I gave it to them. But anyway, Lord, help me. It's, well, we're ready or not. Amen. We're looking for the Lord's coming. Amen. That's one of the, I say, one of the first messages we probably heard when we got in church many, many years ago. But anyway, the reason I wanted, uh -huh. the reason I wanted that uh, up there. But anyway, ready or not, tell me the rest of that statement. Right. See, you don't even need it up there. It's all right. We're all right without it. Ready or not, 
ready or not. Now, maybe a crude way of saying it and comparing it with the Lord's coming, but I don't mean to uh, uh, take anything away from it, but that is so factual, so true, ready or not. And the important, the important thing is, I'm ready. You're ready. He's coming. Whether we're ready or not, he's coming. But that, I, I thought of that, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. This, of course, reminds us, or I wanted to remind you of that game that is so, how many of you played that when you were knee-high to a grasshopper? This is something that's all over the world. All over the world. Let me give you a little education here. According to Britannica.com, hide-and-seek was described by a Greek writer named Julius Pollux in the 2nd century B.C.E., before the Christian era, which is really taking it way back. He called the game Apodidraskatini. Apodidraskinda. That's the way. Anyway. And he describes it as something nearly identical to today's version of hide-and-seek. Wikipedia said hide-and-seek, sometimes known as hide-and-go-seek, is a popular children's game in which at least two players, usually at least three, conceal themselves in a set environment to be found by one or more seekers. The game is played by one chosen player designated as being it counting to a predetermined number with eyes closed while the other players hide. After reaching this number, the player who is called it calls, ready or not, here I come, or coming ready or not, and then attempts to locate all concealed players. As I said, to, to compare it to the Lord's coming, of course, doesn't do it justice because God's not going to come looking for us. We, we better come looking for him and be ready. But my point is, my point is, he's coming. He's coming. It could be today. With, day, with the conditions of today, I have no doubt nor reason to think otherwise. Surely we're living in the last of the last days. Let me share with you something that we glean from different places. Then we'll get down to the nitty-gritty. There was a story that was published in World Magazine that I used to subscribe to and then I quit. Ralph Workman believes what he hears on Christian radio. He believes the preacher and family radio chief, Harold Camping, is right about Judgment Day. He believed the world was coming to an end May 21, 2011. An engineer at Boeing's avionics lab Workman helps manage an RV caravan winding its way around the United States from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh to Virginia, sharing the belief that biblical numbers point to the specific expiration date for the world. This is Camping's latest prediction 
after followers were disappointed back in 1994 when he gave a range of dates. He says he wasn't sure that that was the end, but now he's sure. Anyway, let me show you a little more here. It's been really a tough weekend, Camping said Sunday, after emerging from his Alameda, California home for the first time to talk to a reporter uh, from the San Francisco uh, Chronicle. I'm looking for answers, (laughs) but now I have nothing else to say. He added that he would make a full statement today. Camping's PR aide, Tom Evans, told the L.A. Times that the group is disappointed that 200,000 true believers weren't lifted up to heaven on Saturday like everyone else suffered and eventually died as series of earthquakes and famine destroyed the earth. You can imagine we're pretty disappointed, but the word of God is still true. Evan said, we obviously went too far, and that's something we need to learn from. The group posted 2,000 billboards around the country warning of the rapture. While camping, an uncertified fundamentalist minister spread the word on his radio show. Camping's family radio, which airs on 66 U.S. stations, has apparently rebranded itself quickly. Business leader notes that the station's website has scrubbed all mentions of the Judgment Day. The site previously featured a countdown clock to the May 21 rapture on its homepage. But the false prediction might not be so easily effaced from the lives of Camping's followers. The L.A. Times writes that Keith Bauer a 38-year-old tractor-trailer driver took a road trip with his family to see the U.S. sites before it ended. With With maxed out credit cards and a growing mountain of bills, he said the rapture would have been a relief. (laughs) Isn't that sneaky? But, But Bauer is not angry at camping for his false prediction. Worst case case scenario for me, I got to see the country. He told, if I should be angry at anybody, it should be me. Robert Fitzpatrick, who spent $140,000 of his life savings to advertise the rapture in New York, said he was dumbfounded when life went on as usual Saturday. (laughs) Oh, my Lord, help me. I do not understand why, he told Reuters, while awaiting the event in Times Square, I do not understand why nothing has happened. An NPR reporter talked to two camping followers on Sunday. One man, his voice quavering, said he was still holding out hope that they were one day off. Another believer asserted that their prayers worked. God delayed judgment so that more people could be saved. But the end is imminent, she reported. Evans, Camping's PR aide, told NPR he hopes a family radio will. <laughs> he hopes that family radio will reimburse followers who spent their savings in anticipation of the rapture. But he can't guarantee it. Mama, get ready. Get ready. Now, I didn't get this out of World Magazine, but listen to this warning, folks. You ought to open your ears and turn on your hearing aids. 
within 30 years, civilization will end. This is not Al Gore either. We are in a race against time with population growth outstripping our ability to feed ourselves. If present trends continue, expect at least 100 million people per year to starve to death within the next two decades. Within 15 years, the levels of nitrogen build up in the atmosphere will filter out half the sunlight presently reaching Earth. Decaying organic pollutants will suck up the oxygen in America's rivers, killing freshwater fish. As for air pollution, city dwellers had better stock up on gas masks, for millions can expect to die in the smog disasters. If present trends continue in the next quarter century, average temperatures will plunge to about twice what it takes to put us into an ice age. That's plumb scary, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But I found out this was published back in the 1970s. So you can breathe a little easier. It was not in the Indianapolis Star this morning. And it was not on Google either this morning. <laughs> but anyway, if, if all, all these predictions screamed from the headlines in the early 1970s. While the authors of best-selling books like The Population Bomb and Famine, 1975, we're debating whether to cut off the third world from dwindling fund supplies or try to scrape with compulsory birth control. Of course, of course, of course, a funny thing has happened. We haven't come to extinction. Thank God it didn't happen. Headlines on the internet said 12 ways humanity could destroy the entire solar system. Do humans have a mortal duty to stop procreating? Some of the headlines. The global warning that's changing our climate is about already having dire consequences. In the past few decades, rising temperatures have worsened extreme weather events. Chunks of ice in the Antarctic have fought, broken apart. Wildfire seasons are months longer. Coral reefs have been bleached of their colors. Mosquitoes are expanding their territory, able to spread disease. Well, that's the alarmists. And they're, as they impose their ideas, draconian government restrictions on the entire population to combat climate change. They're interesting as well as some startling, stubborn, contradictory facts are available to us. Don't listen to Mr. Al. And don't listen to some of those others. Anyway, let me read you some facts. CO2 has not caused temperatures or sea levels to rise beyond historical rates. I can remember reading back in the 70s and there about that, that the water's going to get so high that New York's going to be overflowed. Severe storms have not increased in frequency or intensity since 1970. Neither have heat waves nor droughts. 
Global change is not harming coral reefs. Any increase in, increases in CO2 concentrations across huge time spans, and there have been a few, have not preceded rising global temperatures. They have followed them about six to 800 years, just the opposite of what the alarmist claims. Alarmist climate scientists have hidden their raw temperature data and deleted emails. You've heard about that, read it. And then undermined the peer review system to squelch their debates. In some, despite all the hot talk and outright duplicity, there is no climate crisis resulting from human activities and no such threat on your horizon. Now, if you were a believer of Al Gore, I'm sorry to bust your bubble. Regardless of what Al Gore or any of these other climate change experts, quote unquote, have to say about it as they fly from climate change data point to another climate change gathering on their gas guzzling jet in <laughs> planes. Woo, we got to save the planet. planet. We got to save Al Gore. I remember reading something else. I read little things. It was reported, listen, it, it's not, and this is to verify what I'm trying to say here, it is not what's coming from the outside that's our problem. It's not because the sun's going to get hotter, hotter, and it's not because it's going to rain more, and it's not because we're going to have more hurricanes and more storms. It's not because of that that's going to bring chaos and confusion and division to our country. It's what's inside. It's what's in Washington, D.C., it's what's in the halls of Congress. It's what's in the secret meeting places in the back room in different places in our world. That's what's going to cause the confusion and disaster. Amen. That's according to Walls, chapter 10. I found something. I never read this before, although <laughs> and where I found it was an old newspaper people or something that I'd had my paraphernalia, but no tell how long ago I had it. But anyway. It's new tonight, okay? Abraham Lincoln was supposed to have said, he was supposed to have said a lot of things, but I think this one hits the mark. Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step across the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined with all the treasure of the earth are on accepted in their military chest with a Bonaparte as a, for a commander could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reaches us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, our lot we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of freemen, we must live through all time or die by suicide. That's a powerful, powerful statement. Powerful statement. But I share all those to get to the main point here that all of these are false, uh, weird promises or threats by different sources, and there's been so many. 
I remember 1988. You remember that year? Of course, a lot of y'all don't, but some of us do. 1988, Mr. Wiesenot was his name. He sent out thousands of books. I looked for mine back there. I couldn't find it, but it's probably somewhere. But anyway, he sent books. I got one of the books. and It was 88 Reasons Why the Lord Was Coming in 1988. 88 Reasons. Now, I didn't see it in my book, but I was told by somebody that had gotten a different copy of his book that in, on, the, on the inside cover somewhere was his calendar for his appointments for the next year. <laughs> he doesn't even believe what he believes he believes. So there's all kinds of stories and fanciful ideas and, and those that rise up to want to bring fear. A lot of it's for their own, uh, own financial benefit. But there have been false. Jesus, as we read here in our text tonight, he warned about the false Christ that would appear. And they did. Not even, not even very long after the Lord himself uh, died and went to glory and left the church in the hands of the apostles. There was a famous one in that next century, part of the first part of the next century by the name of Bar Kokhba, who was a great follower uh, and had a great following. But he, he claimed he was Messiah. He's Messiah. I remember reading years ago as well, they claimed there was a Messiah in one of the European countries uh, that he was going to be revealed and so on. There have been all kinds of these kind of reports. And so we might scratch our head and say, well, what are we to believe? This, whatever it says. If it doesn't say it in here, then don't, don't look for it in Reader's Digest, condensed books or otherwise. Don't look for it for World Magazine, Time Magazine, or any of the other writings. Don't look for it on your television newscasts don't look for it there and uh, certainly don't look for it for Al Gore it won't come from him nor any of the others of uh, those that are uh, those that want they want to be fear mongers again to their own dis own advantage but I'm telling you what the book says the book says he is coming Amen. you can mark it down yes. you can Amen. declare it Amen. you can be convinced of it you don't have to doubt it because this is real. Amen. This is authentic. Amen. This has been proven over and over and over again that this is actual. It's not a made-up book. A bunch of fellas didn't get together and say, I think I'm going to write something that is interesting to me. It didn't happen that way. Right. About 40, all together, about 40 writers compiled what we call our Bible. And they didn't even know each other. Many of them, many of them were hundreds and even thousands of years apart when they wrote. It was a long time between Moses and John, uh, the, the revelator. But yet what they wrote did not contradict, but corresponded with and uh, convinced, as it were, as it will, our life and our living today in this 21st century, it's real. I remember reading or hearing some time ago that 
They claim somebody got to figure out there were over 500 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus Christ. And every one of them was filled to the T. If you wonder why he didn't have any broken bones, the prophet said he wouldn't have. You wonder why he had these different things that happened to him. Because the Bible said it would or would not happen. And that's the way it is. And consequently, not only what it said about Jesus and his coming, it tells where he would be born in, in, in uh, Bethlehem. Micah the prophet said that. Amen. Isaiah said he'd be called Emmanuel. That's what Matthew said. That's what he said he said. And that means God with us. And there's so many prophecies about his crucifixion, about his being striped, about his beard being pulled out and whatever, about him being slapped, about so many other things that, that no bone of his body would be broken. Make, think of it. They broke the bones of those other two fellows on those crosses, but they didn't break his. It wasn't by accident. I know it said when he looked, he saw that Jesus was already dead. But I think if he was, if he was doing out of spite, he would have went ahead and broken his bones anyway because he broke those other that, that were hanging on the cross. But the Bible says his bones would not be broken. And my Bible tells me throughout the New Testament that Jesus is coming. Amen. Jesus is coming. And the point is, let's believe the word of God. And let's be aware of the fact, somehow, someway, God stir me, shake me, awake me, arouse me to realize and refresh me to realize you're coming. You're coming. You're coming. I knew. I thought he was coming 50 years ago. I thought he was coming back in the 60s and 70s. I thought he was coming, and I thought, whoo, I can't, I can't. I can't live till that long, but I'm here. You're not going to get rid of me either yet for a while. But, but, <laughs> but, but anyway, that was my thinking because I've heard all of these, reading all these stories and hearing all these preachers and, and whatever and, and telling us when he was coming and what I remember hearing one of those fantastic, fantabulous prophetic preachers and, and they were looking for the ark. I've laughed at them and hit at them. You're not going to find it. It's in heaven. But anyway, he said, he, and he said, to be so persuasive, the next brush stroke, we'll find it. Fui. Brush on, my friend. No, he's quit, he, he's quit brushing. But anyway, believe the word of God. Matthew 24, 44 says, therefore, believe. Be you also ready for in such an hour as you think not. Mark 13 and 35 says, watch and pray. You don't know when the house, master of the house is coming. Could be at evening, midnight, cock crowing in the morning. Let's coming suddenly you find you sleeping. Wake up, church. Wake up, MC, MPC. Let's not go to sleep, whatever we do. He's coming. In Luke 21, 36, he said, watch and pray always that you may be accounted worthy 
to escape these things, it shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. <laughs> Woo! In John, tw- uh, John chapter 14, Woo! in John tw- verse 3 said, If I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, the two men that stood by and water prow said to the, the disciples, ye men of Galilee, why are you still gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you've seen taken away from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as he has gone into heaven. He's coming, folks. He's coming. You can believe it. It's right here. In Romans 13, 11, Paul said, knowing the time, it's high time. We awake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation. Woo! Nearer. Nearer. Then when we first believed, in verse 51, Paul said, I'm going to show you a mystery. We're not all going to die. We're not all going to sleep, but we're all going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 14, knowing you that he which raised up the Lord from Jesus fell also, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. <laughs> I like that phrase. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he said, shall print us, present us with you. <laughs> Amen. I'm going with the church at Corinth. I'm going with MPC. (laughs) We're all going together. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of God and our Father. He's coming, folks. In Ephesians 5 verse 27, says he's going to present this church to himself, a glorious church. That's us. That's you. That's me. That's us. He's going to present it to him. He's proud of this church. In Philippians 3, verse 20, he said that our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change, in verse 21, who shall change this vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious self. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm in church today. Colossians 3, 4 said, When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And what about that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17? He said, The Lord himself. That's what Paul said. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, remain in church, remain filled with the Holy Ghost, remain looking for the Lord's coming. We're going up together to meet the Lord in the air. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord said, Paul said, you that are troubled, come on, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire with his holy angels, taking vengeance on them that know not God and have obeyed not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe he's coming? I believe this. I don't believe Mr. Campy. I don't believe Mr. Gore. I don't believe all the other prophets that's prophesied 
chaos and confusion. No, no. I'm in the church of the living God. My name's in the book of life. My hope is in his word. And his word tells me my citizenship is in heaven. I don't belong here. This is just a dressing room. This is just a preparation place. I'm going to a better place tomorrow. Amen. First Timothy 4, 6 and verse 14, that thou keep his commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 4, I like 2 Timothy 4. It's, it begins by saying that uh, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. But I'd like to go on down farther. I don't have that listed up there. But anyway, on down farther is where Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. And not to me only, but to all. <laughs> MPC. To all of MPC that will love his appearing. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I'm listening for the trumpet to sound. <laughs> in Titus 2, 13, Paul said that concern looking for that, listen to this verse, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior who is, <laughs> you mean he's God? Amen. Amen. Looking for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. In Hebrews 10 and verse 37, it said, yet a little while. <laughs> and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. And I like James 5 and verse 8 where it says, be also patient. Establish your hearts. Get grounded in this. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. If James could write that way back under that first century, I wonder what he would write today. In Peter, 1 Peter 5 and verse 4 is where Peter said, When the chief shepherd shall appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He's talking about people like Pastor Gill. When the chief shepherd, he's an under-shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. But chief, the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, has got his head size already. He knows what, kind, what size of cap he wears. And he says, you're going to receive a crown of glory that won't fade away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a hope is ours. What a promise is given to us in his word. And also on the next time, the next book, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, it said, the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. He went on to say, what kind of person ought we to be looking for that? Hallelujah. Let, let's not get concerned about the Antarctic and the, and the ice flows. 
Let's not get concerned about how many, how many hurricanes there are going to be, how many tornadoes are going to swap through. It, it's been happening for years and years and years. It has not grown. It has not increased. And it's not going to unless the Lord wills it that way. But when he gets the church out of here, there's going to be trouble sure enough. Amen. James, Peter, the day of the Lord will come. And you know that verse in 1 John 3, 2. You've probably heard me say it enough. He says, beloved, now, <laughs> now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. I don't think, I don't hope, I don't imagine. We know. We know, we know that when he appears, when he comes, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like him for we'll see him as he is. And what about that verse in Jude? You know, it's chapter one of Jude in the verse 14 or thereabout where the, he said, Enoch prophesied. Enoch, way back came to before the flood. Enoch saw what we need to see today. Behold, the Lord cometh. He's, he's coming. He's coming with ten thousands. Put an S on that thousand. Not just ten thousand, but thousands. How many is that? I don't know. I don't, but it's a whole gob of them. He's coming with ten thousands of his saints. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then after seven years, he's going to come back. He's coming first to get us. It could happen tonight. Could happen before you get home. Could happen this week. Could happen before these services are over with. He's coming back. Look at what's happening. Look what's taking place. Look at the confusion of the world. Look at what Washington is doing to us. Look what's taking place in our society and generation. Look at how much, how much has been taken away from us. I guess I can put it that way. Our liberties and our, li our, our freedoms is telling us we're getting close. We're getting close. We're getting close. Amen. Three times in that last chapter of Revelation, Revelation 22 and verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. In verse 12, he said, and behold, I, well, Lord, you already said it once. I want to say it again to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his, as his work shall be. And then one more time in verse 20, the last recorded words that we have of Jesus Christ. He which testified these things saith, surely I come quickly. <laughs> and it, it, as John was writing these words down, amen, Jesus said three times, I'm coming quickly, quickly. And John finished it all up and put a sentence at it. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's stand here together tonight. The Lord's coming, church. Thank God for what we feel in this place tonight. 
Thank God for his promises. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the hope that I have as an anchor of the soul that's sure, it's steadfast. He, I know who I am. I know what I am. I know where I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to receive tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.